Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. I'm Steve Zotke, along with Jeff Arlowski at the fashionable Sports Radio 105.7 FM, the fan studios. Oh, yeah. Two fashion plates. That's me and you, Steve. Uh, just looking good. Looking good. Um, Full, not a full weekend, but a pretty full. As full as it, it can be for November, you got uh, NASCAR in Texas. Always something going on there, especially with Eddie Gossage at the at the promo wheel and wheeling all sorts of shenanigans and whatnot. And plus, we have Formula One at uh, Brazil, so uh, lots of stuff happening. And um, Jeff, you mentioned something to me. We're 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 going to talk about the uh, that everybody, everybody the finish knows. at Martinsville. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, next segment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the neat thing or interesting. Uh, Thing with Carl Long, somebody who was, I've, I've always been interested in, in his career. Yeah, the uh, 60, 66 team, they uh, withdrew from the race at Texas for tomorrow. They did not have a sealed engine in order to compete per the NASCAR rule book uh, for teams that are not considered quote-unquote full-time teams. Uh, they're not permitted to compete in more than two straight points races without using a short block sealed engine that has been used in competition in a preceding event. Long story short, um, you know, Long had some sealed engines. Uh, he blew he blew one because of an oil pump problem. Uh, then he had one at Kansas. They broke a valve, had to get uh, go to a backup engine. Uh, so those weren't sealed anymore and those engines were destroyed so long story short he didn't have any more sealed engines and for him you know obviously the 66 team is not a big money team so for him to be able to rent an engine for the race this weekend was not financially feasible for them and the bad news just you know kind of keeps continuing long he you know he tried to appeal saying that uh, you know, he's a full-time team, even though full-time it says you have to run in every single race. Right. They've competed in every race since July. They did miss a couple, so hence that they are considered a part-time team. But the thing is, though, is that with them pulling out this weekend and then they won't be able to race at, at Phoenix or Miami because uh, they don't have sealed engines for those either, he says that, uh, you know, the sponsors that they have on the car have been great in supporting us, but because of them missing these races, he doesn't see them remaining with the team 
And so they just don't have enough money to rent another engine and pay for the cost of the race. So it's really very disappointing. You know, it's another another team that, you know, obviously they're not competing for wins. They're not even competing for top tens. But it's a team that week in, week out, brings equipment, comes to the show, makes the NASCAR show what it is, and they're getting priced out because every you have to have huge money now to compete at all in NASCAR. And, you know, for as much as NASCAR wants to claim that these universal pit guns and all this other little nickel and dime stuff is going to save these little guys money, you know, you get stories like this where, you know, a team that sacrifices and, and you know, they're, they're trying to save every penny they can to put a car on the track. You know, they just get cut out because the rules are, are written the way they are and they can't compete. It's just, it, it's a shame. It's a shame. You know, God bless Coward Long because the, the crap he's put up with NASCAR over the years, oh, it's incredible. It is. I mean, it really is. This is, this is the kind of owner that NASCAR should be celebrating. I understand and you're going to have these rules or rules guys. Well, you know, the rule is they got to, you know, it's a, well, NASCAR has been bending rules for 50 years. And this is part of the reason why they got where they are today is by cultivating a, uh, uh, an environment for guys to, if not necessarily win, at least survive. And you, you, the, all through auto racing, no matter what sport you have, the ebb and flow of teams, mm-hmm. you know, hard times, you get less teams, better times. You have more teams. Well, right now, NASCAR is running short fields, and and it, 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 the reason why they're or, or they or the, they've reduced the fields to forty, but you know, and a few a couple of times they've been short, but they need guys like Carl Long, and what's the difference? I mean, you you understand, you know, there's NASCAR always had a role, you know, e, 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 EFRI except in rare instances where they could always fall back on and say, well, we're going to let it go this time. Right. And it's Carl Long. I mean, like, like what you said, well, they're not com- competing for top 10. They're not even competing for top 20 at this point. Right. You know, they're just there and they're, you know, it, it's it's a it's a way. But this is more, it, it's more than just, well, you know, the rules are rules. These are guys that are, uh, he, he's, he's bringing up kids. You know, who knows what, what future kid is trying to get into NASCAR and is working as a volunteer on Carl Long's team. Well, you know, twenty years from now, we might be going. Oh yeah, you know, so and so either could be a driver or a chief mechanic. And you, well, I got my starting car along back in uh, you know twenty you know twenty eighteen, and you know helped me out and really got my foot in the door and everything. And you know this this is this is the frustration that the this longtime fans have with NASCAR now. They read this stuff. I mean, well, I mean, what happened in, was it two thousand nine? Uh, trying to bring it up here. Where he got fined like $200,000 for an oversized engine. Oh, wow, he was oversized. Well, don't forget, this is NASCAR who let uh, Richard Petty get his 199th win in Charlotte in 1983 with the most ridiculously cheater engine ever to grace victory lane in NASCAR, and they right. let it go through. This is this was just a, a little more, uh, you know, just barely over. And you know what? He didn't build the engine. He got it from the Wood Brothers, mm-hmm. and it was it, he didn't even open up, and he had the proof to show that he didn't open up, 
And I, he said, I leased an engine from the Wood Brothers. Why am I getting the fine? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and NASCAR wouldn't let I It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was, you know, a, it was a witch It hunt. was an absolute, you know, and that's, and you you want, uh, it was just, uh, just frustrating. You know, Carl Long, I mean, how many times are you going to beat this guy? Well, they're trying. This is they're a scene out of Brubaker, for God's sakes. You know, and that's why when, when I was, uh, you know, breaking it down earlier, I was very careful not to call him a, his car a field filler because I do respect what he's trying to do. The last quote in the article, uh, long he wrote on his Facebook page, unless something happens unexpectedly, we are done in cup for 2018. I hope to build two cars for Daytona in 2019. And then in quotations, he goes, yes, I'm still stupid. Yeah. And two Xfinity cars. So when you have a guy that is actively going out of his way to compete in your sport, your struggling sport, like you said, they chopped the field from 43 to 40. There's still there's been more weeks this year than not where they're running 38, 39. They're not even filling up to 40 cars anymore. And you're gonna sit there and and come down on him again. It just it boggles your mind. Everything that NASCAR has done the last handful of years has been wrong on so many levels, and this is just another example. It's become this judicious everything but the racing. Yeah. It's pit stops. It's it's cars over the guy didn't go in into his pit box, you know, correctly. Drove through too many pit drove stalls. Drove through too many pit stalls. He didn't do this. The guy left. The guy's foot was off the wall before he reached the box or you know, it's it's the spacemen looking at like like last night. You have in the in the in, in the truck race. You know the 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 least he had his helmet off. You know the official looking at the the, the lug nuts. You know, oh, we got to double check the lug ten nuts. grand a lug nut. Yeah. You know, you have one loose, it costs you ten large. Yeah. Just it's crazy. Well, you have two loose. If you have two loose, I doubt if you're going to be going into victory lane. But that's mm-hmm. another thing with the two loose. You get suspended. Your mm-hmm. car chief, you know, has to leave the track. And I would all love to see the official calling a violation in Eddie Gossage's victory lane. <laughs> oh boy, you want to see? That would have been fun. Oh, you want to see must see TV? Oh yeah. E boy. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> We got a fun show today. We're going to talk about the Martinsville debacle uh, last lap coming up in the next segment. Uh, plus, we have Laurie Monroe. We'll be hearing from her, getting some news in the world of auto racing from her. And then next hour is first uh, uh, first two segments. In hour number two, we'll have David Hobbs on the show, and then uh, we'll get some uh, also some news and that from Eddie Lapine in the second hour after that. So it should be a fun show. Looking forward to it. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM. The fan brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda.
and welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway. Don't forget, special fall pricing at Great Lakes Dragway. They're open for the rest of the season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, of course, weather permitting. The price is reduced for the rest of the season. Uh, $35 for racers, $15 for spectators, and as always, free pit parking at, uh, for all. So make sure to check out Great Lakes Dragway. Uh, GreatLakesDragway.com and also Great Lakes Dragway on all social media platforms. And I'd also like to thank our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And we'll be talking to David in the second hour. Looking forward to that. And uh, let's get him back to the world of NASCAR. Last week was Martinsville. Uh, Jeff Orlowski, anything happen uh, there? No, no. You know, <laughs> just a, a regular run of the mill. Uh, for as boring as the first 450 laps of that race was, that ending sure made up for it and yeah. uh, definitely got people talking. Well, I was watching it, and I'm like, wow, you know, he's running clean. He hasn't taken them out. Hmm. Interesting. And then that last lap, I'm like, oh, you pulled ahead. Don't like that. Should have kept them. Should have kept on on the outside, and sure enough, it's like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> yeah, calamity. Yeah, you know, Logano. It uh, it seems that uh, what he a, has a hard time closing races once without a punk, contact. Always a punk. But it wasn't a punk move, though. It wasn't a punk move because if first of all, if it wasn't True X on the receiving end, if it was Kyle Busch, no one would care. If it was Truex doing the bumping to anybody, no one would care. Uh, Kyle Larson could have done it to anybody. Chase Elliott, no one would care. So it's just because it's Logano, because it's sort of the you know not nearly as egregious as what he did to Kenseth, but because there was con you know because Truex raced him clean for the lead, and then Logano needed to, to do the little bump and run and uh, move him out, out of the way, he gets a lot of flack for it. Well, the the payback won't come back this weekend, and it shouldn't come back in Phoenix. No. Homestead. See, I don't think, you know, I don't unless Truex is eliminated, I don't think he comes back in Homestead. But even then, Truex, he came out with, uh, you know, when he, when he talked about it, and he was clear to emphasize that he had to – initiate the text conversation between the two that Logano didn't reach out to him. Logano Tru- doesn't care. Well, yeah, he don't care. But Truex had to had to start it out. But the whole explanation by Truex was wishy-washy. He was talking out of both sides of his mouth. Oh, yeah, this isn't going to change the, the way I race. And, yeah, Dale Jr., uh, I talked to him, and he said I need to be more aggressive and uh, all that. But I'm not going to change the way I race. But And then, you know, right on the other side – well, I'm going to race guys how they race me now, and it definitely changes the way I look at Logano now. But you just now, said that, yeah. I mean. You know, it was just it was a wishy-washy, like, eight paragraphs of crap. You know, he still wants to be the quote-unquote nice guy, but now he's going to race a little harder. And if he had to go back, he wouldn't wreck his mother to win a race where most drivers would, but now if he had to go back, then he would he wouldn't have raced him as clean as he did. You know, it was just it was a very weird, weird press release there. Well, that's part of the problem. It was a press release. Well, you know, yeah, it was 
What, you know, what half, was, I'm going to... When was the last time you saw an interesting NASCAR press release? Well, usually they choose one side and they stick to it. So, yeah, you know, no hard feelings. I forgive him. We'll move on. I've raced him for years. Never had a problem. We'll move on. This was, you know, yeah, I'm not going to throw him into the wall. But if I had to do it over again, maybe I would have thrown him into the wall. You know, pick a side, man. You know, but because it's Truex, you know, and fan favorite overall... Everybody says a very nice guy and all that kind of stuff, you know, puke. Um, he, you know, he can get away with it and still come out smelling like roses. I always say one of these days, this is it, it, it's going to cause a uh, beep storm of a controversy. This this driving and it's going to have championship implications. I just wonder if maybe the Maybe this will happen in uh, in in uh, Homestead. You know, it's interesting. The, the one the one thing that that it did change because <clears throat> you know Truex should have won that race, and it would have set. You know, if I'm NASCAR, I'm kind of like hmm. because what what we were saying last week. I think the best scenario is the big three and Chase Elliott. Right, that's out. Now it looks like yeah it. And and they were bringing this up yesterday on NBC Sports Network that it probably looks like one of the big three is not going to make it, and that's you know that's going to be a shame. Well, I you know this race Could be Truex too. This race today, or I'm sorry, tomorrow will tell a whole lot. And practice is underway now, and all four of the Stewart Haas cars are in the top eight in speeds, so they've got the speed. But Harvick is the last one. So you've got Amarola. I think he's uh, he's fastest overall, and then you got Boyer and Kurt Busch all ahead of Harvick. Now, if one of those Stuart Haas cars win, wins the race, besides Harvick, now you know then for sure one of the big three is left out. But uh, you know, going into the final eight, when you had four of the cars as Stuart Haas, you thought. They had a good chance of getting two guys into the final four at, at Miami. Now it's looking like maybe one, unless one of these other guys wins today. So we'll see. We'll see. Truex isn't out of the woods, you know, and it had to sting for him that uh, Hamlin snuck by him after when he was trying to gather his car right at the finish line. And uh, Truex goes from first to third in that race instead of, you know, finishing second. Well, I tell you what, a lot of people are going to be scared if Harvick wins this race because he's so darn strong at Phoenix. Right. Yeah. That's going to be. You know, teams will be scared, but that could be the best case scenario for Chase Elliott because then that will mean that two guys have to get in on points instead of just one. And that'll increase the chances and the likelihood of Chase Elliott making it to the final. Interesting stuff. Um, what is what? What's your worst case scenario? Worst case scenario, if for me personally, or as far as NASCAR, both. I think if you're NASCAR, I I want to say your worst case scenario is Amarola wins this race. Really? Because you do not want Eric Amarola in the ten car. Uh, that who is you know obviously us diehard NASCAR guys all know who he is, but. The average fan flipping it on, Eric with an A, Amarola, who is this guy, you know, driving the Smithfield bacon car, you know, it just, it doesn't, 
his name doesn't have the cachet. Clint Boyer, kind of the same way. You know, obviously we all watched him win the Xfinity uh, Bush Series championship and all that. Uh, so, you know, Clint's been a mainstay and uh, another one of my one of my favorite guys that I root for a lot. But, uh, you know, he doesn't have the name recognition. So you don't you don't want those guys getting in. Chase Elliott, great for NASCAR. You know, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, uh, great for NASCAR. So, you know, the, you just don't want the guys seventh and eighth in the, in the point standings right now getting in. And even if Kurt Busch, you know, former champion and all that, but, you know, if he makes that final, now all of a sudden the domestic uh, violence and stuff uh, issues come back to light. So, you know, I I want to say that NASCAR is hoping for, you know, they don't want Amarola, Boyer, or Bush. They're rooting that Harvick's the only Stuart Haas guy in there. I think so, too. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um Harvick is is your classic throwback guy at this point. Yep, I think he's 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 just kind of like the throwback guy who's who's just uh you, you know he's not Earnhardt but he's Earnhardt esque a little bit. Yeah, good in front of the camera. We'll we'll throw you great, in the wall. Great sound bites too. Oh, absolutely. He'll throw you in the wall if he has to. If uh, you do something he doesn't like, he, he'll, you know, he'll even throw hands if he's got to. So, yeah, you know, Harvick's an easy guy, uh, a very NASCAR blue-collar kind of guy uh, until you see the pictures of his house and the golf hole that, you know, uh, is a exact replica of one of the holes at the Masters. You know, he seems like an everyman until you see all the stuff he's got. In case you're wondering, uh, circling back to the Carl Long, um, great, great week last week. This is, this is it, it's just, it's a good thing NASCAR is cracking down on this 66 car because they qualified 40th out of 40 cars last week. And they finished 38th. Yeah, so, a powerhouse. We, we can't have cheaters like that in NASCAR. Yeah, yeah, you know, heaven oh, forbid. Oh, and he blew his engine last week. So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is uh, the, the reason why he doesn't have mm-hmm. a quote-unquote sealed engine to, to run this week. So, yep. you know, just all the more reason why – you know, it's just it's a it's a shame, and it NASCAR should be embarrassed. They should be embarrassed on the witch hunt that they're doing on that team. And I forgot to get my Packers prediction in on the station video list. Uh oh. Yeah. What happened? I was going to do it today. Well, you're a little late there, killer. I guess so. I guess I have to do it on Wednesdays now. Yeah. Yeah, probably my fault. I should have reminded you. But you know how my brain works. Uh, very, very, very slowly. slowly. <laughs> so you want to give out your prediction now, or you want to wait till the end when we're picking the races? Uh, for those who are wondering, there is a Green and Gold podcast. Oh, it's a it's a fantastic podcast. I heard it was voted the best new Packer uh, podcast. In the history of the world. Yeah. Yes, absolutely it was. Um, waiting to get the final trophy or something. I guess we're supposed to get something. Well, you can have the trophy. I'm just waiting for the check. <laughs> but a yeah, dollar, a dollar thirty-seven, I think it was. Hey, that works. Yeah, green and gold. Then and now podcast. You can find it on radio.com. You, uh, like the Facebook page, Green and Gold. Then and now, the uh, the links to the podcast are up there every single week. 
me and Steve talking uh, Packers then and now. Plus, we had a lot of interesting, interesting football news. We just don't put football news, but interesting stories that happened throughout the, the week. Uh, like Matt Patricia, Detroit Lions uh, head coach. You know him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, flopsy-mopsy kind of looking guy. Yep. He's got the, the beard that kind of goes everywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was counseling a reporter who was slouching in his chair. Well, you got to have uh, good posture, Steve, if you want to cover the even Detroit though, Lions. Even really? though Dead spent their ailment. Matt Patricia, who dresses like a bag of blankets, I think was the <laughs> counseling guy on slouching. Respect the process. Yeah. So he's counseling them and stealing yeah. Bill Belichick's phrases to sit there and yeah. uh, and try to lead the Lions. And everybody wonders why the Lions suck year <laughs> after year after year. Exhibit 1 million and 12 right there. We're going to take a quick break, but make sure you check out and please like and listen to the Green and Gold podcast then and now. And don't slouch. And don't slouch, especially in front of Matt Patricia. Oh, Matt Packers prediction. Uh, I think um, I'm. I I got a weird feeling. I I think they could actually win this one because they like I say they always win a, a game that they shouldn't win. Yeah, and for some reason, uh, uh, mediocre Mike has uh, definitely uh, matched up for some reason against uh, Belichick very well over the years. He has even even the games that you know when he had Matt Flynn and uh, and Rogers has not had that. You know, Rodgers-esque game since the first game and where he got hurt, you know. so Yeah, with that massive comeback against the Bears. Right. So he, he's going he's gonna to pop out one of these games. All right, so Packers win. Give a score. In case he's, uh, these fine people listening want to go to the window. I did it on the pigskin. Um, what is that thing called? Yeah, pigskin pick them at uh, 1057fmthefan.com. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. I'm beating you by two points for some reason. Yeah, dude, I started out so hot. I was the, out of all the, uh, you know, you can check who's winning between the listeners and who's winning between the people that work here at the fan. And it was funny because after week one, I was walking down the hallway and people were like, you put your name on a prize sheet? You can't win prizes here. You're not eligible and all this. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? But I had the top overall score out of all the people that work here and all the listeners on picking the games, it's not against the spread, just heads up. And then since then, I've gone straight downhill. <laughs> so now, you know, I go from, from top of the world, I think now I'm in, like, fifth. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Packers 34, Patriots 31. All right, a little Mason Crosby last second action there. Could be. Could All be. right. I, th- I forgot. What, I think I said 35-17, Patriots. You were smoking at the time, weren't you? Of course. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, I just, you know, I don't have any faith in, in McCarthy. And I know that he does play. He gets the team, you know, usually fired up and plays well against the Patriots. But I'm so done with uh, with the big dummy that I just can't <laughs> I can't pick him. On that note, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more racing on the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is One Lap Down with Lori Monroe for the week of October the 29th. Here's what's making news right now. In an announcement made last weekend, Jimmy Johnson fans can finally rest easy because the 48 team has a new sponsor for the next two years, Ally Financial. They'll be joining Hendrick Motorsports as the whole season primary sponsor of Johnson's 48 team in 2019 and 2020. Jimmy Johnson is quoted as saying, 
The opportunity to work with a partner like Ally is incredible. Their commitment to leading in both the workplace and community is something that resonates with me in a big way. I'm ready to chase more history with Ally on board the 48. Richard Childress Racing has announced that current championship contender Tyler Reddick will be added to their NASCAR Xfinity Series program in 2019. Additional information on Reddick's crew chief, sponsorship, and car number will be announced at a later date. 45-year-old Japanese driver Akinori Ogata will make his debut in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in the number 66 Toyota for MB Motorsports next week at ISM Raceway. The Kanagawa Japan native has seven career starts in the truck series, with his most recent being in Atlanta earlier this year. Ogata started racing at 14 years of age in Japanese motocross and went on to race dirt midget cars and eventually came to North America in 2003, ran some late models, and then went into the NASCAR Canon Pro E Series, earning five top 20 finishes. International Speedway Corp. has announced that it has entered into an agreement to purchase Racing Electronics, a provider of scanners and fan vision. Racing Electronics works with 14 major sanctioning bodies, including NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, and USAC. The deal kicks in on January the 1st, and apparently Racing Electronics 70-person staff will be unaffected by the acquisition and will remain intact. If you're at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend and have 12 bucks burning a hole in your pocket, You've got to try the 24-ounce Hog Heaven Taternator. The massive potato is smoked and crammed full of a pound and a half of mixed barbecue pulled pork, brisket, and hickory black pepper sausage. On top of that, it's slathered with a creamy and spicy bacon jalapeno mac and cheese and bacon gravy. But wait, there's more. It's heaped with onion crisps. Yum, yum. Looking at Innovators versus NASCAR this week, after last weekend's cup race at Martinsville, a couple of safety penalties were handed down to the teams of Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick. Both had lug nut infractions during their post-race inspections. Crew Chiefs Paul Wolf and Rodney Childers were fined $10,000 each. There were no penalties issued for the truck event held the same weekend. In Canon West News... At last weekend's season finale at Kern County Raceway Park in California, Derek Thorne earned his second career series championship. His accomplishments this year included two victories, and he finished inside the top five all but once and had an average finish of just over three. Thorne beat his teammate Ryan Partridge for the championship by 27 points, and Rookie of the Year honors went to Haley Deegan, the first woman to win a K&N Pro Series race. And this week's racing schedule, the triple header at Texas Motor Speedway is going to have lots of racing so you can eat a ton of those taternators. The race action kicks off on Friday night for the JAG Metals 350 Camping World Truck Series race. You can see it on FS1 starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Saturday, the Xfinity Series hits the track for the O'Reilly Auto Parts 300. You can tune in to NBCSN at 4 p.m. Eastern for all the action. And Sunday's Monster Energy Cup race, the AAA Texas 500, will be on NBCSN at 2 p.m. Eastern. That should fix your late-season racing addiction. So how about the weather? Friday night for the truck race looks great. Dry conditions and the temperatures will be in the low 60s at race time. Saturday's Xfinity race will be partly cloudy and a high of 74 degrees and still no rain. And Sunday's Cup Series race will see partly cloudy skies, a high of 68 degrees, and maybe a small chance of a shower, but very small, like about 20%. And birthdays this week, happy birthday goes out to Chris Busher. 
Derek Cope, Tony Gibson, and Steve O'Donnell. And if you're celebrating a birthday this week, happy birthday. In social media madness, picture it, and you can on Instagram, Rico Abreu, dressed up like a clown, driving a big old four-door sedan. Kind of spooky. And via Twitter, you got to check out Team Penske for their drivers impersonating their fellow Penske drivers, and Will Power wasn't very impressed. And then there's a video previewing the upcoming Racing Wives. It's out there making the rounds, and some quotes are, you don't want to get on Samantha Bush's bad side. And Ashley Bush says, if the racing community doesn't like you, they'll figure out a way for you to be out. Whoa. That's one lap down with Lori Monroe for this week. I hope you enjoy the racing this weekend, whatever racing you enjoy the most. Thank you, Lori. That was that was good stuff. Yes, it was. Uh, some sad news in the world of auto racing. Mary Holman and George, the chairman emeritus of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, if you had not heard, passed away at the age of 83 and uh, very the, one of the first first families of auto racing. And, of course, her family uh, owned the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And um, her son, Tony George, um, is on the board. And uh, the sisters, uh, Tony, or, yeah, Tony's sisters and that. And uh, sad, sad day uh, for the, the Holman George family. Of course, uh, her husband was Elmer George, who was a former driver. And, uh, and of course, her parents were, of course, uh, Tony Holman. And Mary Holman. So, uh, sad day. She was active in in auto racing. Was actually a uh, car owner in the fifties. One of two uh, female notable fe- female car owners in the fifties, and ran races on the AAA and later USAC Championship Trail, but not in Indianapolis. All right. They uh, all thought it was because Indianapolis was such a important race. They thought it was important that uh, they not take a spot from another car owner from that race classy so um they you, those are cars you could be seen at the dirt tracks at many of the fairgrounds uh throughout the 50s and 60s and places like trenton or the milwaukee mile uh, she was a true trailblazer yeah she was and uh and very very involved with uh greyhound rescue greyhound racing and the rescuing of greyhounds and did a lot of charitable things in or out uh and you're on Indianapolis and the state of Indiana, so she'll be certainly missed. Yeah, yeah, fantastic woman, and you know, just God, decades and decades, and in, in everything involved in auto racing, done so many amazing things. You know, you, if we uh, went down her list of accomplishments and everything that she uh, had her hands in in racing, that would be we would need four hours. And uh, oh, yeah. wouldn't be able to get to everything, you know, then either. So, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a sad loss. And uh, but what a life, you know. She she lived right. In the we're going to get our hands on everything department. NASCAR bought the assets of Racing Electronics. Yay! So one will have to wonder if that changes anything. Uh, what will the listeners and the fans be listening to? Well, you know, uh, since NASCAR is putting their hand in it, you can guarantee that it'll get messed up somewhere is along the line. Is that good or bad? You know, now are they uh, now that NASCAR is going to be in charge of it? Are they going to start finding guys for swearing on their on their in car radios during the race? 
you know, oh, that's a bad look. Oh, we we can't have you drop an F-bomb while you're driving door-to-door at 200 miles an hour and your tempers are flaring. You know, you got to sit there and you got to let the emotion go. That's why, you know, when you have, and we've talked about it after they have a fight or something at a NASCAR track, you can't have it week to week. But when it happens like two or even three times a season, it's good for the sport. It gets people talking. Uh, it's in the, you know, it's all over main mainstream news. It's not just on the NASCAR shows and, and everything like that. It, it brings more eyeballs and, you know, attention and everything that NASCAR is desperately needs to the sport. And uh, Brian France, who's been on a leave of absence uh, from an arrest earlier this year as an NASCAR chairman, his court case has been moved to December. Oh, kind of convenient after the season ends. Yeah. You try to work that out. And, uh, you know, it, it's convenient and it's not because if now that it's December, he's got basically two months to try to sweep that under the rug before Daytona. Uh, the best time would be somewhere between Christmas and New Year's if you could work that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they're going to try to bury it. And, uh, you know, we we buried the, the NASCAR shows that didn't cover it and claim to be, quote, unquote, legitimate news shows about uh, the sport of NASCAR. You know, they, they tried to sweep it under the rug day one when that's all everybody was talking about. So... You know, you're going to have, obviously, it'll be out there and everybody will know where to find it and all that kind of stuff when when the uh, case comes to conclusion. But they're going to do their best job to to just bury that as deep as they can and get it off the front page as quick as they can. And the, uh, the 2019 Chevrolet Camaro SS and Silverado are being redesigned for 2019 to look more like their production counterparts, Chevrolet announced Friday at Texas. Those look sharp. They look nice. I like them. Yeah, I mean, I've been critical of uh, just because you shouldn't have uh, the, the pace car of the car that it's supposed to look like because they, they're not even close. Right. But it's not as noticeable when all the cars are, like, the same size. Mm-hmm. But when you have that pace car that's that looks like it's about sitting about four feet off the ground and as narrow as a you know, pencil, you know, it's not a good – good contrast right maybe using a different car or something but um it it they they do look better um you know i understand this this the reason why they went to that size is for the safety and that these things are basically tanks mm-hmm. and the it yeah they it it does look pretty good um i always thought that the best looking car that was out there was a few years ago was at Dodge Challenger. Oh yeah, that was especially in Xfinity. Uh, that was a good looking car. Yeah. It so was. Uh, the the Camaros, yeah, I think I saw the photo. It looks it looks more like a Camaro. Now. And the same thing with the uh, the trucks too. You know, I'm just I don't mind the trucks. I know there's some people who just can't put their arms around racing the, the racing of the trucks and that, but. I mean, from what we're going to talk about the truck race that they ran last night at Texas in in the next segment, anyways. But uh, I, I I don't mind it, and they usually they're the best race of the weekend, anyway. So well, yeah, and for me, the trucks look fine. The anything that NASCAR can do to get the the cars in the Cup Series to look more like their production cars is a definite positive. Uh, the 
one of the ways that NASCAR shot themselves in the foot is by changing the look of the cars so much. So now it's not checkers on Sunday, you know, uh, sold signs on Monday, you know, because they don't look anything like each other. Mm -hmm. So if they can get back to it, maybe, you know, if Chevy wins a race, they'll see a little sales bump in the next week or vice versa, you know, same thing with Ford and, and Toyota. So it's not a bad thing. It's not. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk uh, the truck series at Texas last night and uh, who won and how they won and et cetera, et cetera. You're listening to the Final Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. I hate clickbait. Mm-hmm. I, I just these clickbait ads that just irritate the crap out of me. Just, just oh, this I'm one. With you. Doris Day is a hundred years old and wants you to see her. Uh, wants you to see her. Okay, I'll pass on that. Well, no, it's not that, but she's not a hundred years old. She's she's uh ninety I think ninety four ninety five whatever I mean it's still very impressive but but you know they have to I yeah just, you know I I don't want to look at any ninety five year old woman <laughs> well no you're not you're just you know she Doris Day is is a is an interesting story yeah oh yeah uh you know actor she was Miss the the girl kind of next door Miss Goody Two Shoes and then that was always kind of her. You know, the, all, all the other actresses and actors would tease her about that, you know, because she was the wholesome girl, this and that. And she was, you know, Miss All-American, you know, a- actress, you know, of that time. And uh, went gently into retirement in probably the late 70s, early 80s, and lives in Carmel, uh, up um, by the Monterey Peninsula. And I was at a at a, at a get-together in Carmel, and they were, they was kind of, Listening to some people talking, and you know they're talking about Doris Day, and she owns a hotel up there, and the hotel is real popular because in and and Doris Day going dating back to the seventies was a big pet, uh, animal activist. Okay, uh, not nutty animal activist, but just normal, you know, you know, animal activist. Uh, and and she, her, she was one of the early multi. Her motel was one of the hotel, I should say, was one of the early ones that, that would accept pets and that. So, and she does a lot of uh, fostering and, and adoption of whatnot of homeless animals and whatnot. And there's a lot of cats and and, and stuff and uh, around her uh, hotel up there. And you can bring your hotel and back in the especially in the eighties and that that was an unusual that you could bring your pet. So, and she's still around and she's 
dearly loved. She's still very private, but those you know in the that live up in that area is uh, you know it's an interesting story. But I just feel it's like really yeah, go to Doris Day for clickbait. I mean, just so the truck race last night. Yeah, how about that? That was good. That was a good race. It was a good race. I mean, a truck race is always, you know, it, it, one of the better races. And you got to really feel for Todd Gilliland. Oh, man, what a heartbreaker again. Again, still looking for his first win, running out of gas uh, on the last lap. Coming out of turn two. Oh, man. Brutal. Just brutal. Yeah, oh, Your heart goes out to him, man. You know, what else can you say? It just, it seems like uh, every week a black cat walks right in front of his car. Well, and his dad hit the wall coming out at the same turn, turn two. I mean, that was just, just a hard, hard hit. So Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's a race uh, that I'm sure they both want to forget real quick. So, But the 24 truck, truck goes to victory lane, and it's uh, just, you know, I just you wonder. Uh, well, Michael Waltrip, <laughs> your buddy, your buddy. I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my finger on the dump button, Steve. Have at it. They're they're interviewing Todd Gilliland, and it just—it's so frustrating because. You could see the raw emotion of him on the pit. You know, you see him come out of the car, and, and you know the kid's 18, 19 years old. God knows what I would do if, if I was in that position at that age. You, you know, and it's kind of you see you 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 see him going through. Okay, you know, kind of talking to him, talking to yourself like, okay, I gotta get my composure, get my composure. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you can literally see him doing this, mm-hmm. and and then he gets interviewed, and he goes, "Oh yeah, it's, it's frustrating, you know." And he's honestly giving a thing, and he, but it's controlled. And then Michael Walter, that's so good uh, that yeah, that he's got himself under control, and that and, and, and just yeah, we, we know that. Tell us, you know, hey Michael, were you ever in that situation? Give us and give us some analysis. Don't just parrot what you what we just saw. We know that. Mm-hmm. Give us, give us something here. Well, why would you expect analysis from a former driver, especially Waltrip, who <sighs> very rarely brings anything to the table, except oh, oh. <laughs> uh. So Justin Haley in the twenty-four car uh, goes to victory lane, and a uh, very talented kid, and uh, so he he'll be fighting for the championship at Homestead, and uh, just. Uh, once again, a pretty good race. They had a little some issues with the arrow, and uh, but you know that's par for the course with, in NASCAR nowadays. Well, you know Justin Haley's a great story, and uh, you know in the also a very young driver. Oh, absolutely! And in the uh, this should shock no one. Uh, Noah Gregson crashed his truck again. Yeah, um, that guy likes running into things. Well, at this point, he's probably trying too hard. Well, okay. You know, you can come up with any excuse you want well, for that kid. He's in fantastic yeah. equipment, and uh, he just ruins ruins them all. Maybe brought up a little bit too quick. Maybe the equipment's too good. 
maybe his ego is a little too high. That too. I mean, there could be any number of things. Uh, yeah. Maybe you know sometimes. But you know what? We're going to talk to we'll talk to David Hobbs about that. I wanna I wanna because he he yeah I want to talk. That's a good good question about David Hobbs about bringing up young drivers and that. So uh, yeah, let's do that. Coming up at the top of the hour after uh, the news flash. We'll be talking uh, with David Hobbs, who will be in town for a book signing at David Hobbs Honda. So uh, looking forward to that. And uh, do you want to take a break here? Yep, let's break. Let's take a break. We'll get some uh, commercial messages, sports flash. And when we come back in the final inspection show, David Hobbs live on the radio. You're listening to the final inspection show brought to you by David Hobbs Honda, of course, and Great Lakes Railway. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you check out greatlakesdragway.com for all the latest. They are open on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So check out Great Lakes Dragway on the internet and also on all social media platforms. And also David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out David Hobbs Honda for all the best in not only new cars, but also they have an extensive used car inventory. So check out davidhobbs.com. In Great fact, deals going on there all always, weekend long always. as well. And speaking of David Hobbs Honda, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is David Hobbs from sunny Florida. Welcome to the show, David. David Hobbs, his own self. My goodness me, how lucky you chaps are this afternoon. <laughs> you got that right. Soon to be Pulitzer Prize winner, David uh, Hobbs, right? Well... Unfortunately not. In fact, I was on the shortlist for the best sporting book in Britain, which is an RA Royal Automobile Club Award. That is a fairly new competition. They started about five years ago. And I was a nominee, and I was runner-up, unfortunately, uh, just the other night, to uh, Adrian Newey, who has written a book about making race cars, and when you consider that Adrian Newey has won, what, 12 world championships? Mm-hmm. Maybe more with his cars, Williams, McLarens, Red Bulls. Nearly won the Indy 500 a couple of times with Mario at the wheel. I suppose it's not a surprise that uh, a British jury would vote his the best book. <laughs> but close. Close, but no cigar. Well, it is interesting that uh, we are talking about Habo. Motor Racer, Motor Mouth, uh, which is a fantastic book. And, yes, I am a little bit biased, but it is it is a fun, fun, entertaining book. Uh, but you are actually going to be in town uh, Monday, November 12th at David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue. And uh, you'll be signing books there at a very convenient time, right after work. So folks, when they get off of work, if they want to get a signed copy, they can see you from uh, 5 to 7 at the dealership. That is true. We are putting on Greg, uh, my son, who runs the dealership now, has been talking about it pretty much all the summer. Uh, we were down here, then we were up 
we were up in Wisconsin, you know, from June till just a couple of weeks ago. But uh, no really good opportunities came up, so we finally, you know, we put it together and made uh, November the 12th, the afternoon of November the 12th. The official time is from uh, four till five till seven, but I shall probably be there from about mid-afternoon on if anybody comes in early. And we've got about 100 books. Um, hopefully we'll sell most of them. And um, we're looking forward to it. They've been uh, talking about it uh, all summer. Um, so it is an opportunity for people living in Milwaukee or the suburbs to uh, to pop in and, and buy a book. And I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. And also uh, a thing I wish I could get to, I, I saw the the uh, the event, I guess you could say, in Chicago. But uh, you'll be doing another of the – uh, a night at the races with uh, yourself, of course, Lee Diffie and Steve Matchett at the Ridgefield Playhouse up in Ridge, uh, Ridgefield, Connecticut, which is uh, real close to where uh, Lee Diffie lives, correct? He lives in Ridgefield now. He works for NBC, uh, their big sports studio, which is big, 100,000 square foot, um, is just down in Stamford, Connecticut, not very far from Ridgefield. So we're putting this show on at the Ridgefield um, Playhouse on uh, Monday, November the 26th, which of course is the day after the last Grand Prix, and we'll have uh, various bits of footage of that and the NASCAR races, which of course NBC support, uh, IMSA races, which next year NBC will be covering exclusively, and so yeah, we should have a fun time there, and uh, we're expecting a full house again, 500, it's a 550 seat theatre, and we've filled it three times so far. I'm also taking a few books there. And then the night after that, on uh, Tuesday, the 27th, I'm going to Miller Motor Car Company in Stamford, Connecticut, which is a franchise that makes your eyes water. It is Ferrari, Maserati, Bentley, Rolls-Royce, Aston Martin, and who have I forgotten? Uh, just about every great car that you can get out of Porsche, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that should be a good night there. Um, that also is in Connecticut. But to save you going all the way to Connecticut, you've only got to go to 6100 North Green Bay Avenue to get a copy of the book. <laughs> should be a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, last week, we uh, F1 was in uh, Mexico for the uh, Mexican Grand Prix. And uh, the most interesting part of it was, uh, well, Lewis Ham Hamilton grabbed the headlines without even being on the podium. It was a Max Verstappen winning in the Red Bull over uh, Vettel and uh, Rakanen uh, with the two Ferraris. Uh, a little bit uh, too late for the Ferraris, but uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton, your championship winner. Yes, um, and of course, since then, there's been lots of talk about, is he the greatest driver ever? Um, and I have to say that I think that he is one of the greatest drivers ever. It's so difficult to compare drivers from era to era, from car to car, because so many things change. I mean, he is now one of only two people, or one of three people, who have won five championships. That's him, Fangio, and Schumacher. And, of course, Schumacher's gone a bit better than that by winning seven. But Lewis is going to be, what, 33 um, soon, um, so he's got plenty of time to win another couple of championships. I think the championship will tighten up in the next couple of years. Big rule changes coming in 2020. Some small rule changes coming in 2019. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, as he said, it was a horrible race <laughs> for him. It, you know, just nothing went right. The Mercedes was using its tyres up too quickly. The Red Bull, the car, came into its own. 
of course, designed by Adrian Newey, <laughs> who just beat me out to be the, the, the best, the top book in the uh, best book, uh, sporting book in England. Um, and Adrian Newey has got just the most amazing brain when it comes to aerodynamics. And of course, when you're running at Mexico City, which is 5,000 feet, and the air is thinner, um, it leads to all sorts of nasty side effects, less horsepower, for one thing, and a lot less downforce. And the newly designed car there really came into its own. And um, Verstappen and Ricardo were the two top guys all weekend. Unfortunately, Daniel Ricardo in the other Red Bull, just, again, his luck just completely... Awful, yeah. Awful, exactly, and dropped out. Was it seven? Uh, seven was it for him, DNFs this year, I think yeah, it was? Or? seven, like four or five in a row. Isn't yeah. it? I mean, it's just, just been gruesome. And and Verstappen um, drove a brilliant race to win. That'll be, and he won there last year. So, and he's still, <laughs> he's still only just 21. So, um, and and has not gotten a pole position yet, which if you would have told us that a year and a half ago, we would have thought you were crazy. I he, When he first drove for Red Bull uh, at Spain, what, four years ago, so he was like 17, he, everybody said, you know, he has got till the end of 2018 to, to become the, the youngest ever pole sitter. He's the youngest, everything else, the youngest race winner, the youngest point scorer, uh, I mean, just the youngest everything, everything, the youngest fastest lap, the youngest everything. Uh, but he's still not the youngest pole sitter, but he still hasn't run out of time. He can still be the youngest pole sitter. <laughs> I think he's got to about the middle of next year. But of course, he was apparently just infuriated in Mexico because he had been quickest in all three practice sessions, FP1, FP2, FP3. And he got pipped by his teammate by like two hundredths of a second and apparently he was absolutely enraged <laughs> because he would have had the youngest ever pole sitter. Um, as it is, he's now the youngest guy ever to win two of the same races in a row, another two Mexican, two British, two whatever races in uh -huh. a row. He's the, young, he's the youngest guy to have done that too. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Red Bull next year with the Honda engine, everybody says the Honda engine is definitely making progress, which obviously I would like to see it do. Right. Um, and in the Red Bull, the Red Bull are talking very confidently about, um, you know, the combination of Red Bull and Honda next year. We're talking with uh, David Hobbs, Formula One guru on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Don't forget, you can uh, see David in person at David Hobbs Honda Monday, November twelfth. And the guru, I like that. Yeah, the Mexican Grand Prix was at the Autodroma. Autodroma Hermanos Rodriguez, and, uh, of course, uh, I spoke last week a bit on Ricardo and Pedro Rodriguez, certainly uh, two of the greatest racing brothers, of course, from Mexico, and probably one of the uh, greatest brother combinations in Formula One, and, and sadly, though, uh, their greatness, uh, because we lost them too soon, never really developed where they should have, and you know, I, it's interesting being a student of uh, auto racing history and that. Uh, one race that always comes up when you do any type of research in that, especially when it comes to endurance racing, it was in 1970, the BOAC 1,000-kilometer at Brands Hatch. It was one of the greatest drives in the history of racing, people say, and that was, of course, Pedro Rodriguez in the Porsche 917. And I mentioned uh, last week that 
you were there. You were you were not running that race, and but you got to see it firsthand. And t- talk to the listeners how how just how impressive he was that that day. Well, it was an absolutely amazing display of car control and precision in appalling conditions. I mean, it rained heavily. Quite honestly, today, if it rained that much, they would have a safety car out and they'd be dragging around behind a safety car for lap after lap after lap. Because it's a six-hour race. Um, well, it's a thousand-kilometer race, which is about six hours, but of course, it actually took about seven because of the rain. And I was watching him through various corners. And I mean, this is a car that's got, you know, 600 horsepower back back then, you know, in the early 70s. Um, not a lot of aero downforce. And I mean, the last corner coming onto the pit straight at the Brands Hatch, pit straight's a bit like the pit straight at Monte Carlo. It actually goes right, slightly to the right, all the way down. Uh, and there's a big dip in the middle, so you've got quite a bit of elevation change in the front straight, at the top of which you come to this sort of sudden rise and go over the top of the rise and you go into the first bend, Paddock Hill Bend, which is a very steep downhill uh, corner. Obviously, the road falls away, so you have no camber helping the car at all. And he was pretty much sideways from coming on to the front straight to exiting Paddock Hill Bend. I mean, and he, and because you do have a couple of laps in a Grand Prix, and it's only like 40 laps or 50 laps. I mean, this is like a, this is a thousand kilometer race. And he was just sideways around that track for hour after hour. His co-driver, Leo Kinnan, uh, the Finnish driver, did the minimal time in the car, you know, an hour or two in two different stints just to really make it official and legal. Otherwise, Pedro ran the whole thing himself and was just absolutely extraordinary. Uh, it was the most amazing virtuoso display of wet weather driving I've ever seen. Um, other than actually Lewis Hamilton in 2008 when he won the Silverstone Grand Prix and he lapped everybody up to Rubens Barrichello who was third in the Ferrari and Lewis was just about to pass him again and he'd have lapped up to second spot. So um, that was a pretty impressive. But, but the Rodriguez brothers were amazing. They came from a very wealthy Mexican family. Their father pushed them into it. And, of course, Ricardo, the younger driver, he was killed very young. I think he was killed before he was 21. Uh, but he was the youngest guy to ever drive a Ferrari. He was the youngest. They were the youngest. They wanted to go to Le Mans when they were, like, 19, and back in those days, they wouldn't let them start. So they finally started the year after, I think, when they were 20. And then very soon after that, uh, the younger brother, Ricardo, was killed. And Pedro lasted until 1971 when he was killed at Hockenheim in a Ferrari 512 in a very peculiar accident. Uh, ran into the end of the pit wall somehow. Uh, but, yeah, a couple of very, very, very good young drivers. But, of course... Racing in those days was very different to today. When you hit things in those days, um, if you hit anything hard, um, that was pretty much uh, all over because the cars were so flimsy. And there were so many things to hit as well. Um, David, we were talking about uh, in the previous segment. I was saying you to sleep there. No, no, I was uh, just <laughs> making faces at Jeff. Uh, I was just nodding off the shelf a bit. <laughs> 
we were talking about in the previous segment about a young driver in the truck series, Noah Gregson, who's in grade A equipment but has been struggling. And and you've been a, one of these people that always say young drivers, you know, when you win a championship, you should go up to the next series right away and keep moving up the ladder. Is it is there a case where just some drivers you can bring up too too quickly? And, or maybe if they went into more mediocre equipment and maybe learned to craft a little bit better, is it is it is is that the way to do it? Or I mean, is there a wrong way or can there be a wrong way or a right way with certain drivers, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Well, unfortunately, you, until you've tried it, you don't know which is the wrong or the right way. Uh, everybody said that uh, Lewis was too young to go into Formula One uh, because he had just won. He had won every series he'd been in, um, and he went up through, the, through all the series uh, and finally ended in GP2, which is now called F2, uh, and won that. And went into the series, won it in the first, the first season, and, um, and went into Formula One. And people said that Ron Dennis was pushing him too much. I am a big believer in momentum in racing. Uh, I've seen so many drivers who just smash everything, um, you know, all records, win all the races, um, and then they get in a bad car or they go sideways for a little bit to, to sort of mature and, and get better, and um, they actually tend to go down slightly, I think. Then I, I guess there have been instances of drivers driving too soon i honestly can't think of anybody just right off the top of my hat mm-hmm. um on top of my head um the one guy because to me has been the most incredible disappointment is hulkenberg i oh, knew you were God. gonna say that <laughs> yeah I nico was, hulkenberg is just oh, so frustrating such a, such a big support of hulkenberg he he, he <laughs> won everything and he was ever so young and he's winning Formula BMW, then he wins in Formula 3, and he, then he came into the GP2 series, absolutely smashed it, won everything, moves into Formula 1, and here he is, he's done, what, 140-odd races, and still hasn't even got a podium, let alone a win. I mean, it's just, it's just as Danny Holmes would say, you wouldn't read about it, mate. Um, it is just most extraordinary. Uh, Hulkenberg's, you know, coming to a halt. But I don't think that was because he went to the Formula One too soon. Mm-hmm. I think it's because he went into the wrong team too soon. And um, and in my opinion, he should have been driving instead of riding at Ferrari for at least two or maybe three years now. Um, and for sure, he'd have won some, uh, he'd have won some podium by now. Talking with David Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And don't forget, Monday, November 12th, you can see David at David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue in Glendale from 5 to 7. And get a copy of Hobbo, his book, or if you already have a copy of the book, he'd be more than happy to sign it. Any final thoughts, David? Well, Lewis Hamilton's uh, non-winning streak may well continue this week at uh, at Brazil because he's out He's been on the pole there a couple of times, but he's only won it once. And uh, this is, for some reason, this is one of those tracks where he just has not won very much. So um, I, I, he may not win here either. I think I should suspect that Sebastian Vettel will win this race this weekend. A, a and track. He'll be kick, kicking himself all the way to the hotel saying, why couldn't I have done that two races ago? <laughs> a track he was world champion for about 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, 
But no, I mean, I'd like to see anybody sit up at the dealership there and um, come in and buy a book, and uh, obviously I'll sign it for you. And um, I'm assuming you're going to be there, Steve? I will not be there. You will not be there. If you want me there, I can be there. Well, I just always like to see it, that's all. Um, okay. You don't have to be there. We've, we've got <laughs> plenty of help. So. <laughs> all right, David. Certainly good hearing from you, and uh, we will chat more in the future. And David Hobbs, make sure to check him out Monday, November 12th, at David Hobbs Honda from 5 to 7. Get a copy of the book, Hobble, or get your book that you have already signed by David Hobbs. When we come back, we'll be talking to Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. We need a whistle sound uh, bite there. Just a tweet on the whistle there. No, Offsides no. by me. I I, I jumped. Ed, Ed, Eddie's coming up as after the bottom of the hour. I got excited. Look, yeah, well, so. you know, you go from Hobbo to one, you know, like a little five or six minute conversation <laughs> with just us, and then you got Lapine coming up. You know, I'd be excited too. <laughs> But we do have some racing news. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Michael, or I should say, Marco Andretti has become a partner in the 98 car. Uh, so he's putting some money b- back in. And you, know, you always wonder behind the scenes in these things. You know, obviously, Marco is, uh, what is how old is he? 30? Uh, 13-year career. He started when he was, uh, so he's pushing 30, 31 right around there. Is he looking beyond? It probably. And uh, you wonder if it's uh, Michael, you know, kind of saying, hey, <clears throat> you want to keep driving? Why don't you put some money into this team? Yeah. You know, and it's good that he, you know, that he's doing it. I, I always love it, you know, when, when a racer will sit there and uh, even before that, that they hang it up themselves, that they're putting it back and giving back to, you know, the series that, that gave them their lives and their livelihood. It, uh, it, I think it means a lot more than just some random rich guy are, are off you, the streets. Are you ready? Team. Ready for the team name? Hit me. Ow! Andretti not literally. Herda, Andretti Herda Autosport with Marco Andretti and Curb Agajania. That whole thing is yeah. the name. Oh yeah. God! Is so there like Andretti an Herda Autosport with Marco Andretti and Curb Agajania? Yeah. Okay. It is interesting that, you know, Mario was a car owner for only one year. Now it's pretty much a name only, though, as a Firestone deal. Uh, in uh, 1968, his car owner, Al Dean, passed away from cancer. Dean Van Lines. Uh, older listeners may remember those cars, or if you've seen photos early in Mario's career, the Dean Van Lines uh, special. Uh, Al passed away at the end of 1967, and the team pretty much stayed together with uh, for one year. Uh, with Mario as the owner and sponsorship by Overseas National Airways um, and a lot of Firestone money. And then the following year, Andy Granatelli bought into the uh, was bought into the team and it was uh, with uh, STP, and then he went on to win the Indianapolis 500 in 1969. Uh, Marco, it's interesting to see uh, kind of setting things up. You wonder how much longer will he be in the in the Driver's seat, uh, I don't expect him to step away anytime soon, but 
you can probably see he can probably may perhaps see the end of the of his career. Uh, also, Rahel Letterman uh, brought in Piers uh, Phillips as their team president, uh, who was over. They brought him over. I think he was with Schmidt Peterson, if I recall. Um, so, Rahel Letterman moving on, adding pieces to that team. Uh, they've gone to a two-car team last year with Tuku Masato and, of course, Graham Rahal, and they're adding a third team in Indianapolis through that Corsa, is it Corsa Autosport uh, team, the 64 entry that was at uh, the Speedway last year with Oriole Servia. Uh, they'll be there this year again, so it'll be a three-car team. So that team is moving forward, and uh, Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports is having a garage sale today. Nice. Benefiting Concord Paralysis, now a nonprofit uh, by car owner Sam Schmidt. So uh, if you're in the Indianapolis area, if you're listening to the show, I'm sure you know about this anyways. But if you're not, make sure you get down there. So is that Um, why you took out the latest loan, huh? Yes, no. Head down there and do a little garage sale. enough racing stuff. Too much. I should should, should have the Steve Zotke racing garage sale <laughs> call the herd a little bit yeah, well, a lot of stuff yeah then i would have to go take out a loan so you have a, a lineup yeah for uh for the nascar race tomorrow we've got uh we got ryan blaney sitting on the pole fast fast lap oh that yeah was, that was that was something that was something clint boyer uh he started he shares the front row Harvick and Amarola. So you got three Stuart Haas uh, guys starting two, three, four. Uh, Keslowski, uh, Hamlin, there's five and six. Kurt Busch starts seventh. There's the fourth, Stuart Haas. Your buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joey Logano, eighth. fart face. He starts he was eighth. Quickest in the second round. Yeah. And then uh, William Byron and Kyle Busch round out the top ten as far as qualifying. No, no real surprises there, but a little bit maybe with Byron. But he's been showing a little bit more lately. That team's starting to show some speed. Yeah, they're gelling. Uh, you know, as the year goes, everybody along. is showing a little bit of speed, with the one exception. Well, <laughs> but well, that's why they're making those big changes for next year. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and then Paul Menard. Good big shout out, Paul Menard starts eleventh tomorrow. Uh, the only bad thing is that he's finished uh, outside the top twenty in the last five Texas races. Mm-hmm. So at least he starts eleventh, and uh, you know gives himself a fighting chance of cracking the top twenty this time. So good for him. Excellent for him. Uh, be fun race. Uh, I I don't know if you knew this. I I, I had actually kind of forgotten about this. Uh, the changes they did make at Texas, um, adding, you know, I, I, we were talking about this last week, uh, about lowering the banking on well, turn one and two, they actually lowered the banking from 24 degrees to 20 degrees last year and widened it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they did that last year. And I think that that has definitely helped. And then, uh, the wins on the 1.5 mile tracks, of course, no surprise. If you would guess who's, who has the most. You'll get this. Truex. Yeah. He's got six. Second. Kyle Busch. Close. Harvick. Harvick. Harvick is four. Kyle Busch is third. And then Chase Elliott and Brad Keselowski with one apiece. So, but yeah, it was, uh, Blaney was quick. He was, he put in a lap and he's one of those guys that if you need, I mean, he is a good qualifier. 
Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he is a talent, and I I, you know, I was a big fan of his dad, but I, I think as overall he's in better equipment for one thing. But he has certainly shined a lot brighter than his dad did in the Cup Series. Yeah, and it looks like you know things are going the right way for him, and the more experience he gets, the the better off he's going to be. And I I expect him to compete for wins. You know, obviously he's won a, a couple races already, but I think that that Blaney's going to sit there and, uh, you know, he'll be competitive for years and years and years to come. And that was a 200-mile-an-hour lap. Yeah. 200.505 for Blaney yesterday at Texas. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about, uh, they had testing at Atlanta, and uh, uh, the guys pretty much the consensus was how good all the lane, the different lanes were. At Atlanta, so uh, you know because of its roughness, or well, before you know they were talking tire compound, maybe it was because of the tires. Um, You know, they said that you know you used to be uh, you know hugging the bottom, which is how Harvick always you know dominates there and everything like that. But that even middle groove and high lane, uh, there was speed everywhere to be had on that track with the tires that they had. So. That can make it interesting for next year because Atlanta's a fun race. I, I like that race a lot. Still wish they would have kept it the way it was. Oh, I know. I know. I do, too. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's those like it's a, and well, especially for Wisconsin fans because that, that iconic footage of Kowicki taking the checkered flag. You know, Elliott winning the race, but Kowicki taking the checkered flag to win the championship and yep. the old grandstand that's full. And then you just took that and just wiped it away just kind of frustrating yeah it for is. those who may not be aware they turned they did the same thing they did with darlington which i didn't like they flipped the track yep so uh, darlington y'all would hear you know you know the minnow pond and everything everything's been turned around same thing they did at, at atlanta now the front stretch is the back stretch et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's silly, and I liked it better the old way, but uh, no one asked my opinion, which is shocking to me. Really? Yeah, can you believe that? They didn't call you up. No, no, they didn't. For some reason, they were able to do it without the pipe bomb stamp of approval. So I don't know how how that snuck by, but it did. Real quick before we get uh, Eddie Lapine in the next segment here, you know, one person we haven't talked about, really, that's in the final eight. And is not getting any publicity. Who's that? Kurt Busch. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know. He's fifth right now, but it's interesting that he's. Let, well, let's, I, let's say if. Let's say Logano wins again. You know, and Kurt Busch finishes fifth and some other guys have problems. He could. I mean, that would be quite, quite interesting if he actually got into that final four. And he could. You know, he qualified seventh. Uh, I want to say he was top, uh, well, I think he was definitely top 10 in practice today. So, you know, it, it could happen. And Kurt Busch wants Logano to win. Because if, if Kurt doesn't win, he wants, you know, the same guy to win at least, you know, one more race in this grouping of three. So there's another spot available on points. So if Kurt can't win today, you know he's going to be in that tr- in that car cheering for the punk and uh, and hoping Logano takes home the checkered flag. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, 
We'll talk with Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and of course David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out uh, Great Lakes Dragway on Facebook and Twitter for all the latest updates uh, as they are open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays now and reduce pricing for entry, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, it's a heck of a deal. There's no excuse. You know, it is surprisingly nice outside today. I would love to be sun's sitting. out, sun's out, guns out. Yeah, you're wearing your tank top too. I'm surprised, but you gotta show off your guns. Yeah, absolutely. If I if I wasn't sitting here, there'd no be no I place was, I'd rather be. I, and I did not know that you had that Danica tattoo on your upper arm. So interesting. Hey, close to my heart. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com, it is Eddie Lapine. Eddie, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you today? Pretty good. Can't complain. Hey, what's uh? It's it's funny how certain tracks give you certain memories and uh, the you know with the F one going to Brazil and that the Inter Interlagos track I always remember uh, F one had a, a video game out in the mid nineties I think it was Formula One like ninety four and I loved the Interlagos track there and is that I, the same game you were I, talking about with I, David Land no uh, that's a couple the weeks older ago? there's a newer one that's supposed to be a lot better but this is a crappier. Uh, I think it was early Xbox. Or okay. I'm trying to think. I was usually the Benetton car. <laughs> hey, hey. But it was a fun track. Jetty, how many, how many F1 games have you driven? Uh, you know, not too many because I never was really good at them. Um, that, I, it just, I never was good. But now the new technology and the video games they have now for race drivers and learning tracks and stuff like that. I mean, they're amazing. I mean, uh, the the times have changed so much, and all the F1 drivers now use those to uh, learn the tracks before they get there and simulate the races. The simulators are just incredible. I mean, they actually, the Formula One will simulate the race after practice, like Ferrari in Italy the night before the race. Yeah, and it's kind of silly because you've got these uh, – these racing organizations that, you know, supposedly are trying to figure out ways to save teams money because the the price of competing in NASCAR and F1 and everything else is just going through the roof. And it seems like these simulators are the next thing where, you know, the, the big teams are going to have the state-of-the-art simulators and the low-budget teams are going to be sitting there and have, like, the VW bus kind of simulators – and, you know, where it's like well, a, another area where the big money teams can gain an advantage and better prepare their guys than the smaller market teams. Well, and you, you totally see that now with Mercedes and Ferrari. You know, I mean, you just see that. I mean, Red Bull, 
I mean, that's why those teams run where they run is because of all of that technology and all the testing. And that's what those, you know, the test drivers are doing, you know, on the simulator to learn and get data to help them, you know, win. And it costs money. And I, I don't think they'll ever back off on F1. I mean, they're just going to keep throwing money at it no matter what. You know, it, it's like when I was in the – I covered Formula One in the 80s. Uh, that was my first major event in 1982 in Detroit. And back then, they used to have tires that they used to go out and do one or two laps on, and they were done, qualifying tires. And, you know, and now they try to to, to put a, a cap on it for tires and try to save money. And, you know, it just never works out that way because the people with the money are going to spend it in other uh, directions. Mm-hmm. That's certainly true. It's you, know, you see this with the ridiculous engine rules and and gearbox rules they have in Formula One to quote unquote save money. Meanwhile, you have Mercedes spending you know something like four hundred million dollars or some ridiculous amount. You know, so it no matter how they try and control it, until you have a hard cap on the overall amount they could spend, it's not going to do much. Hey, I just saw this on Sky Sports. This is. I mean, this almost kind of sounds like something you'd hear like on Saturday Night Live or something. I'll just read it to you. This is very interesting. Uh, Officials in Hanoi, the capital of Vietnam, say they have secured an F1 race for 2020. According to the AFP news agency, an invitation to an event next week states, the city of Hanoi managed to conclude with... The, uh, the cooperation to be entitled as official host of a race of the FIA Formula One World Championship from April of 2020, and Formula One has not officially confirmed a deal. Did, if this this happens, which I, I doubt it will, but did you ever think that Vietnam would even be in a mix for a Formula One race, uh, Eddie? I I think <laughs> well, they laughed at Baku when they said they were going to have a Formula One race. And now, look at it now. Yeah. It's turning into something. It's, you know, it's like New Jersey when they were going to have the Formula One race there. Well, that makes a lot and, more sense than Hanoi. I mean, the, well, I the New Jersey I, thing you know, actually kind of sounded cool where where they were going to run it on, I, on, you know, and everything. But I mean, Sebastian Vettel even went there and yeah. drove the cars through the streets. And it, it, it's a great place. But, again, if you don't have the money to front it, or, or you don't pay off the the right people to make it make sure that it gets done. Well, exactly. That's why Formula E is in a warehouse district in Brooklyn. You know, because that's all because they they, they they paid the right people, but apparently not enough. Exactly. <laughs> that's totally true. Totally true. And congratulations, Eddie Lapine, on on uh-huh. on your successful way of, of uh, mentioning Formula E for the fourth time in a row. A record for any auto racing uh, any auto racing show in North America. And, so and and that's being subsidized by Formula E so I can get a credential. I just want to let you know for Well they oughta I mean you, you you should be number one on their list. Well a funny story that they weren't even gonna give me credentials this year after I've attended 
four of them. They were not going to give me credentials. They denied my credentials this year. Oh, your so. reputation precedes you, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, if well, you weren't getting drunk you know, and running around naked on the track during the event, uh, you might not have those well, problems, Eddie. Well, maybe. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I can guarantee you I was on my way to Watkins Glen for the IMSA race when I got denied, and I was in the airport. And for I which race? For the six-hour race. No, 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 no. For denied. which Formula E race? The one in New York this year. Oh, you, oh okay. I got a deny. I got a Dear John letter. First one, I think, I, I got to say, it probably was the first one ever, saying that I was not qualified enough to uh, cover the race. And uh, after I sent, what was it, a dozen emails with attachments of everything I've talked about and uh, over the years about Formula E and that, mysteriously mysteriously i got a letter that we reconsidered you and they put me back on well they so, came to their senses yeah yeah so we should, they, i we, guess they felt sorry for me we, we should have sent them a a, a a letter from jeff and i with our photos on it i'm sure they would have <laughs> slid right through <laughs> oh, that definitely no i sent the attachments of uh, me and richard branson doing a selfie at the empire state building so that's all it takes huh okay. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I want to see you pull that one off, though, Steve. What? Meeting Richard Branson? Getting a selfie. Oh, with yeah. Richard Branson? I, I'd, I'd rather have one with Don Branson, but that's just me. Anyway, oh, okay. let's, okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk more with Eddie LaFine from RacingNation.com on the Final Inspection Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and of course, David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out David Hobbs at David Hobbs Honda, November 12th. That's a Monday after work. Head on over there for a book signing where you can get his book. And uh, joining us once again on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Eddie LaPine from RacingNation.com. And Eddie, uh, one of the cool things about RacingNation.com is the plethora of photographers that are on there. Of course, uh, the aforementioned Jack Webster, your partner, uh, one of the great mm -hmm. photographers out there who's been doing it for a long time. But in a past life, uh, you were a photographer and actually shot some pretty cool stuff, especially at Detroit. One of my all-time favorite photos that you shot is of uh, Stefan Beloff in the Tyrrell. And uh, you, you can, uh, if, if the fans want, they can see uh, those photos, can't they? Yeah, I'm going to put some more. They're on my Facebook, but I'm going to put some on the radio fan page. Okay, thank um, you. I've been just going through, and uh, it's just amazing. I found those Paul Newman ones um, that I shot. That Those were shot at Detroit uh, when he was racing Trans Am. And uh, I found a photo that I, I didn't even remember I had. I mean, I just I probably saw it 25 years ago or something. And i just been kind of going through some of the stuff because – Back in my other life, I uh, used to shoot, and then I I would have the driver sign them and give them a couple of them, and uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, I it was just an unbelievable time to be a photographer um, and see those cars uh, because Formula One is 
my first passion of when Mario raced uh, in the Lotus in 78 and to be a part of that. And it was, uh, it was just a, a great time. And uh, there weren't all those gosh darn fences everywhere. Well, what's so funny is when you see some of those close-up shots, they were shot with a 28-millimeter wide-angle lens, and you literally had a, a stream of photographers standing at the guardrail, and the cars would touch the guardrail, and all the photographers would jump back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, literally, you could feel the whisk uh, of the tire by your foot. It, it, it really, you could not get any closer, and now... The photographers are shooting with uh, twenty thousand uh, millimeter uh, zoom lenses now, mm-hmm. um, and you don't get uh, so close. And the drivers sitting out, and uh, you know, just it, it was just a, a great time. I mean, the access. You know, it's like when you look at Jack Webster's and Racing Pilot, uh, and the access he had of the ph- photography he took in the seventies was even better. Mm-hmm. You could just literally have a beer with the drivers and a cigarette. Pretty much so. Um, Let's move over to the world of NASCAR. Of course, we have Texas this weekend, and Eddie Gossage always puts on a great show. Uh, We have uh, Ryan Blaney on the pole in the Penske car, the fastest of the three Penskes. And uh, who do you like this week? I like Martin Truex. I think the fire got lit last week. Okay. Uh, over his uh, Lugano incident, so I think uh, he's going to be—he's he, going to be there. Joey Logano. Hmm. That's uh, your buddy. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't go. I, you know, I. You know who I like? Brad Keselowski. All right. You know, he looked good at Martinsville for a while there, and uh, I thought, you know, uh, it'd be interesting. But uh, no, I can't go with Joey. No, I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski. All right. Well, uh, it's not. I'm not picking Logano either, but uh, I'm going to take Kyle Busch. So a because okay. if he wins, that'll help save my fantasy NASCAR year, and uh, and I'll make a lot of money. And b why not? So well, you know he's one of the Jeff, big three. You, Jeff, I thought you were going to take Nico Hulkenberg. Oh my, uh, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was thinking, Nico, you know, maybe he could run NASCAR. How about that well, last you, week? Uh, how about that, Eddie? Johnson. Lewis, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. I was just oh, going to say, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton didn't even get on the podium last week. It didn't matter. He won the championship. But Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's gone. Now we talk about next year. But did you see that Jimmy Johnson and Fernando Alonso are going to do the Yeah. Walk? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, nothing exciting about that, or no? No. no. We've 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 done that already, a couple times. Okay. Well, I think it's pretty cool with Fernando doing it. I think it's it's good for the sport. Yeah, I NASCAR agree with that. Yeah. All the help they, and NASCAR needs all the help they can get. That's true. That is true. All the racing does, though, at this point. I tell you what, Eddie. Once again, we thank you for coming on the show. We also thank uh, David Hobbs. For coming on the show too, and uh, enjoy Texas this week, and uh, we'll see you next week on the Final Inspection Show. Once again, thanks David Hobbs Honda and the legendary Great Lakes Dragway for all their support. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.